Welcome to Lockbox, a podcast providing real estate professionals with action items for success. My name is Jeffrey Broger, and I'm going to be your host. I'm the founder of two real estate marketing and tech companies, Steezy.Digital and RealNurture.io. In this podcast, you'll learn from top 1% real estate and mortgage brokers the exact secrets to their success. Welcome to Lockbox. Welcome to Lockbox. My name is Jeffrey Broger. I'm here today with Brett Swartz. Brett, thanks for being on with us. Jeffrey, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So why don't you tell our listeners first who you are and where you're from? Yes. Uh, so I am from uh, originally from Mission San Jose, Fremont, kind of Silicon Valley area of Northern California. And I live in a place called Sacramento. And I grew up with loving real estate, right? Building with my dad, custom homes, room additions, and fell in love with just the ability to do projects, own rentals, cash flow. And I had a chance to go to college and play some basketball and scholarship, which was pretty neat. I actually played in San Diego, a place called Point Loma Nazarene University for one year. And then I went to a junior college down there. Then I went up north uh, to a small school called William Jessup University. And along that journey, I studied business. I studied uh, Bible and theology and minor in counseling psychology. And also took an internship at a group uh, at a company called Marcus and Millichap, which is a commercial real estate brokerage firm and uh, fell in love with underwriting properties, cash flow, and helping people buy and sell investment real estate. And this was like at a 2006 stage, and um, things are going great. Not unlike a lot of things right now, like as far as valuations and transactions and deals, but it wasn't always easy because starting out as a brand new broker, you don't really know anything. I didn't know anything. And so I was just learning from some really great mentors and coaches, and I started to grow, started to get some momentum, really excited, and then all of a sudden something hit, and it was the 2008 crash. So mm -hmm. I went from making a little bit of money to like nothing overnight. And I don't know if you've ever been somewhere, Jeffrey, where you're like afraid, like how are you gonna support your family? Well, it wasn't only just that, but I was newly married, and my first daughter was at home, and. And I went from being successful in a lot of things, like in college and hoops and you know degrees and all that, to like feeling like a little bit of like a failure. And it was tough because growing up, my parents were divorced at a young age, and so I saw wealth from my dad, but I lived the majority of the time with my mom, and that's when we kind of moved over to, to Roseville, Sacramento area. And so I knew at a young age I wanted to have margin financially, but it was tough because I wasn't making any money, right? It's sink or swim, 100% commission type of environment. And so I did what every good entrepreneur, I guess, real estate wannabe does. You get a side hustle, side job. And I did that at a place called Cheesecake Factory. And so by by nights and weekends, I would work Cheesecake Factory and by day to making cold calls. And so I was going through this financial struggle and people would tell me, go get a real job. I said, you know what? Instead of getting a real job, I'm gonna go move in with my brother in his condo. And my wife was supportive enough to allow us to do that. And they said, well, go get a real job. You go, well, I love what I'm doing now. I'm learning, I'm growing so much. And so I'll get a side job. So that's what I did. I did it for two years. So I was going through this struggle. So were my clients. My clients, not necessarily like that, right? But these are folks that had built real estate portfolios for 10, 20 years. And they were also going through a challenge with the banks. You see, they had done the, what's called a 1031 exchange and they had overpaid for properties, take on too much debt. And so I was trying to help them negotiate with banks and reposition their portfolio. Then my manager came in and he spoke about a deferred sales trust. And this is kind of where the story kind of shifts here. And my manager brought this gentleman in and he spoke about the deferred sales trust and said, basically the pain of what they went through, they didn't necessarily have to go through had they known this. And like mm. most people, he said, this is too good to be true. We would have heard about it. We're the best in the business. We know all about the 1031 exchanges. He's like, oh, this is not a 1031 exchange. This is something entirely different, but also similar. 
And so um, I started to apply that to my business. I started to talk about it. And this is in 2009. People say, you're crazy. My CPA would have told me about it. You know, you should have called me three years ago before everything crashed. But I just kept believing that it really could change people's lives if they know about it. And so fast forward, um, my wife and I have five kids now. My business started to grow as I talked more about it, as I helped more people do these deals. And now I launched Capital Gains Tax Solutions a few years ago. And now we're on the mission to train five uh, or 100,000 business professionals so they can help their clients create and preserve more wealth and escape the 1031 exchange forever. Mm. Very interesting story. Yeah, you were able to overcome the perceived either failure or struggle of the 2008 recession by continuing to work hard, work a a night job at Cheesecake Factory. By the way, I worked in the service industry on and off for about eight years. So I've been everything from a bartender to a server to, you know, the, the fountain brings out shakes at Ruby's Diner. Like I've done it because on the journey of especially learning the entrepreneurial path, in the beginning, it's kind of a roller coaster. And before you're figuring it out and before you're consistently executing on the actions that really matter, the ones that really drive the needle. And it seemed like during the day, you were taking those actions, you were making the cold calls, you were focusing on building this book of business. And so this podcast, really the concept is distilling down those action items for success from top real estate professionals like yourself. So my question to you is, you know, what's the single most important action you take on a daily basis that attributes most to your success? Yes, and it's a quote by Jim Rohn, R-O-H-N. He talks about learning to work harder on yourself than you do on your job. Mm. And the idea is if you work hard on, on your job, you'll make a living and that's fine. But if you work harder on yourself, you'll make a fortune. And that's really what it's about. See, I believe we've all been given certain gifts in this life. And these gifts have been given to us to be a blessing and help to others. But it's not just having those gifts or knowing those gifts. It's actually maximizing the potential of those gifts. And then it's timesing that by the number of people you can impact. And then it's having, I think, a higher faith. And for me, it's, it's uh, my Christian faith and it's in Jesus. And so I focus all of my effort and energy on that, what I believe he's given to me. And that makes all the difference. See, before my younger career, I was focused on what? Just closing that deal, right? Just getting that first $100,000 check, just getting that next listing. And, and it was so focused, or even before that, getting the grades or obtaining the scholarship for basketball or you know those external things that are temporary, right? And instead of working on the internal things like character and leadership, personal development, my faith, right? Now it's my family. It's, of course, friendship, right? So those major areas of life. And so when I made that shift and I started to work harder on myself than I did on my job, everything changed. And uh, that's been the, um, I guess, the journey of personal development and leadership over the past decade or so. Wow, that's powerful. And I love Jim Rohn. Every time I, I come across his teachings, he's kind of like the godfather, like, Tony Robbins, most people know Tony Robbins today. Tony Robbins sold Jim Rohn seminars in the beginning of his career and then kind of launched his career in personal development and coaching. So Jim Rohn is an absolute legend and he does tie a lot of it. I mean, it's divine the way he speaks. He ties a lot of it to, to uh, higher power and um, you know the fact that we're, we're blessed and highly favored and, and just so many things that he says, it just rings true when he says it. It's amazing. So love that great one-liner from him and a great reminder from you. So, so that our listeners have some context where you are today, you know, you, you have capital gains tax solutions, and then you also are in the commercial real estate world. So why don't you let our listeners know what your transaction volume was last year on the commercial side? Then I have some follow-up questions. Yeah. And so, um, we, let's see, I think we did just over 
like 20, 20 deals and approximately $100 million of gross sales price. Now, these are commercial transactions, business transactions with the Deferred Sales Trust. So my role is more focused on helping people, helping agents sell. Um, now, I've also done a few deals myself as well. We have a 15-unit multifamily property doing right now. My biggest years when I still focus on commercial real estate were in 2017 and 18. And I think the net, that was around $60 million or so, mostly multifamily and retail properties. So um, hopefully that answers the question. And I collectively, I yeah. think I've done over $200 million worth of mostly multifamily and the deferred sales trust transactions. Got it. And so in the beginning, I mean, you were working so hard from 2006 to 2012, and it seemed like a lot of it, you were building the momentum, but kind of spinning your wheels. And then you hit a stride between 13, 14, 15, 16, where all of a sudden you're doing tens of millions of dollars in transactions. So, you know, what was the difference there? Like what, what was the biggest thing that, that created that catalyst to level up? I think it was looking out for my client's best interest in the very beginning, right? And oftentimes when, when I think brokers go into um, transactions in the beginning, especially when I was newly in the business, I had to shift my mindset from, hey, how do I talk them into selling to actually how do I talk them out of selling and find out what's their best interest? So going in mm. with saying, is there a way for you to hire property management? Is there a way for you just to refinance and go buy another deal? It, you know, like why are you really selling? What's the true motivation? And how is this helping you solve your wealth plan and your goals? And when you take that approach of like, hey, I want to approach this like I was your son, like you know, Mr. And Mrs. Smith, if I was your son and I'm trying and, and you're thinking about selling, I want to approach it like it's a family deal. And so by doing that in the beginning and having good mentors model that for me, right? And making that shift, and it really happened partly because of the 08 crash. And some people, A, couldn't sell, but I saw the pain. Like people were like, I lost either everything or half. And and I've been building this for so long. And so being on the front lines of that to say, man, this is brutal. Like, can you imagine, you know, putting yourself in their shoes? You've invested your life, blood, sweat, and tears for 10 or 20 years into these investments just to see them kind of fall apart. So I think what happened was those clients appreciated that. And then so when the market came back, they started calling me again. I mean, I'd still call them too, right? And they say, hey, you were looking out for me. You helped me negotiate with the banks. You helped me negotiate with uh, the tax authorities to lower my property taxes. You helped me hit creative ways to, to get concessions or tenants with my management. You helped me with these things. In other words, I added value. I wasn't just trying to sell their real estate, right? I developed a relationship and the same thing we're doing with the deferred sales trust. We're saying, what is truly, what are you trying to achieve? And let's let's think outside of the box. Let's not just think that the 1031 exchange is the only way to get there. In fact, we just saved a failed 1031 exchange for a gentleman out of Georgia. He sold a 128 unit apartment complex, 7.6 million. He lives in Northern California. He's a baby boomer, right? He's tired of the toilet trash liability. And he's like, you know, I don't want to be chasing deals and overpaying and taking all this debt. Like I went through that 10 years ago and the market's all time high. And so his goal was to get a legacy play. Not only did he want to sell, spend more time with his grandkids. He wanted to do uh, build a, a project in Montana. It's a corporate leadership uh, retreat where, where people from all over the U.S. can come and get leadership training about giving back uh, more than just making a bunch of money. So that was what he wanted, right? And so now the question is my role is how do I help you get there? And if I can provide something of value that and guide you through that process, guess what? That's the moment I add value, right? Not just listing a property, underwriting it and selling it, right? There's a lot of people who can do that. Actually, like a commodity business, right? It's really connecting and getting on the front lines with your clients. Wow. Great point. 
And it really is a relationship business. You know, there's this concept that pretty much any business you get into, no matter what product you're selling, you're still dealing with people. So every business really is a people business. And it's like you said, you can be a transactional agent and an order taker. And typically you won't achieve that level of success, or at least you won't get in that top 1% that you might be seeking. But once you start to focus on people and who you're dealing with, their best interests, it's so interesting how the money just comes because you're not worried about it anymore. And you really are, you know, interested in their best, their best interests. So let's focus on capital gains tax solutions. You know, you've mentioned that now you're kind of removed yourself from production for the most part. And, you know, this is your focus. And it seems like helping your team and then structuring deals with this capital gains tax solution. So you've alluded to it a couple of times. You know, why don't you elaborate a little bit? Thank you so much, Jeffrey. Um, yeah, so most high net worth individuals, you know, they struggle with capital gains tax and it's somewhere between 30 and 50% when they go to sell their high-end primary home, business, investment real estate, public or private stock, cryptocurrency. And so we use a deferred sales trust, which is not a 1031 exchange, to give them tax deferral, liquidity, diversification, and the ability to buy property at optimal timing, okay? All so mm. they can create and preserve more wealth. And so what I want you to think about, Jeffrey, is, and I know that's a big statement there. I'm going to unpack it here for you here. I want you to think about Blockbuster versus Netflix. Do you remember okay. going to Blockbuster, Jeffrey, back in the um, in the 80s or 90s, depending on when you were born? I do. I do. And you show up on a Friday night and you're excited to get that movie, right? And you see it across the hallway there. And it's behind that cardboard, right? And so you can tell it's there because it's, the cardboard's pressed, pressed out, right? And so you're walking towards it and you got, you got your popcorn ready. You got, you know, maybe it's your girlfriend at the time. She, she said, get that movie. Your one job, Jeffrey, is to get that movie. But just before you get there, somebody grabs that movie right in front of you and looks at you and smiles because he was doing the same thing and your heart just sinks, right? So you're, you're upset you didn't get your movie. So you get the movie next to it and you're like, all right, well, maybe that'll settle for that. Yeah, that'll work. But then three days later, you forgot to return it, right? And so you get that penalty, you get that fine, right? Whatever. And then you forgot to rewind it. You get that again, right? And you're like, what? There's got to be a better way, right? And now you live in Huntington Beach, so you don't mind taking that cruise down and it's a sunny and it's, it's nice weather. But there's people who live in like, you know, Wisconsin and they're like, you know, I'm driving in the snow to figure this thing out. Well, Netflix said there's got to be a better way, right? Well, I want to propose to you that the 1031 exchange is like Blockbuster. And it's a transactional way of doing things. And it puts people in a position that they don't want to be in right? Mm. What is that? Well, it's 45 days to identify. It's 180 days to close. We call this the shotgun wedding, right? Get engaged in 45, get married in 180. You know, our parents taught us to sell high and buy low, Jeffrey, right? They didn't teach us to sell high and buy higher 180 days later in a very low cap rate environment with more debt and more toilets, trash, and liability that I don't necessarily want, okay? So what's the alternative to that? Well, I'm going to tell you a story to illustrate this, and this is what maybe a believer, and my goal for this um, next few minutes we have together is to make everyone a believer of the deferred sales trust, or at least take the step towards that. And this is a gentleman who I call the Monday morning quarterback story. You know, he dropped back and he played it perfectly, right? And what he did is he sold in 06. And if you saw the movie, The Big Short, these folks saw what was coming, and we even saw it was coming. Even a lot of my clients saw it was coming, but they felt they had no way to defer the tax and sell without getting hammered, so they just kept turning well, this gentleman learned about the Deferred Sales Trust, again, which is an alternative to a 1031 exchange. He sold a $20 million asset in Minnesota. And he's looking around for 1031, doesn't make any sense. He goes, I'm not going to overpay. He moved the money into the Deferred Sales Trust for the first time. So the first thing is he's in a tax deferral state. He moved it into the Netflix, if you will. Okay. And he's waiting on the sidelines. He's put it into stocks, bonds, mutual funds, very conservative stuff. He's liquid. He's out of debt. He's keeping his powder dry. And he's just waiting for a deal. A year goes by, two years goes by, nothing, three, four. 
deals started to come. But in particular, the property that he sold for 20 million, guess what? The bank calls him up and says, hey, you know, you sold it to that guy five years ago. Yeah, well, we just foreclosed on it. And we're just curious, would you like to buy it back? He goes, well, maybe, what's the price? He said, well, about 60 cents on the dollar, about 40% less than what you purchased it for or sold it for. He said, that sounds, like, that sounds pretty good. So he reallocated his investments into the trust, put it into an LLC, and he bought it back at 60 cents on the dollar, right? He sold high and he bought low. By the way, all tax deferred, not using a 1031 exchange. And so I heard this story from my mentor, by the way, he played for the 49ers. He's the co-founder of the Deferred Sales Trust, and he's the financial advisor in this scenario. And I'm like, wow, you can actually do that. He says, yes. I said, I'm all in, right? And so the first thing to understand about the Deferred Sales Trust being Netflix is timing, right? Our parents taught us to sell high and buy low, right? So the Deferred Sales Trust, we can buy at optimal timing whenever you want. Second, you can diversify, right? Diversification, especially for a lot of baby boomers, right? They are looking to preserve their wealth. They're looking to retire from the toilet trash and liability, but they also want the ability to go in, in real estate if they want to and be active if they want to or be passive. So the deferred sales trust, you can put it into stocks, bonds, mutual funds, hard money lending. You can do ground up development. You can do uh, passive investments into different multifamily syndications, okay? So we just closed the deal um, in Oroville, a gentleman who sold a $2.5 million property. He had 30 years, no depreciation. He was about to write a check for about a million dollars of tax on this two and a half million dollar sale. And he says, well, I wasn't gonna do a 1031 anyways, so can I just defer the tax? Yes, so he deferred it, and we put him into multiple real estate opportunities, our passive. By the way, outside of California, places like Texas and Florida and Arizona, they're very landlord friendly. And we also did a primary home sale in Palo Alto for 8.3 million. And this gentleman was able to defer tax. Remember, a 1031, because it's blockbuster, it doesn't work for primary homes, okay? It doesn't work for businesses. It only works for investment real estate. Whereas the deferred sales trust, the Netflix, it works for primary homes, works for real estate. Uh, it can save a failed 1031 exchange. Businesses, cryptocurrency. We're working on a cryptocurrency case right now, Jeffrey. This kind of blow your mind. They bought Ethereum for about $100,000 over the last you know five, six, seven years. Well, it jumped up to six million in 2017, and then it crashed. Right now, it's up to over 12 million dollars. Okay, and so what they're going to sell is this money out in outer space or out and on the interweb somewhere out there. They're going to defer about five million of tax using the deferred sales trust. But then guess what? They're going to move those funds into investments, which gives them cash flow, which does what for them? Gives them a chance to retire, spend time with their kids, mm -hmm. travel more, not have to work 60, 70 hour weeks in Silicon Valley. So this is the transformation that we provide. And so I'll pause there because you might have some questions. Yeah, very compelling story and very memorable as well. I love the initial story of your mentor who kind of created this uh, program, I, I guess you'd say. I mean, it all exists, but someone had to blaze the trail. And it's this, this ex-49ers player who, by the way, I know that you're a huge 49ers fan. So that must be awesome to have him as a mentor. And he blazed a trail had an amazing experience with it, now teaches others how to do it. And I love how flexible it is. It's like you said, the Netflix versus Blockbuster. You know, the, the Blockbuster, it's an old way. It's like a finite amount of them. You know, someone picks that movie up in front of you, it's gone. And it's like the, someone picks up that deal, it's gone. The, the clock is ticking and then 1031 exchange. Transferred over Netflix, you know, a million people could be streaming the same movie at once gives you the freedom and you can, you know, you have a menu of options. And so you really can liquidate. And then I think another big thing is that you don't necessarily, if I'm 
correct in this have to reinvest in a like kind investment, which in a 1031, you do. And so that's another huge advantage is you don't have to just do like multifamily to multifamily. You can actually liquidate a multifamily, defer the taxation, and then invest in stocks, bonds, other things, uh, different, you know, a uh, retail center or, you know, any other opportunity that you see fit over the next multiple year period, which is a way better timeline. So I love everything about what you're saying and really excited to learn more personally um, for my clients. And, uh, you know, for a long time, it's easy to just like hear about the 1031 exchange and think that's the only way. And this is like the holy grail. But uh, the deferred tax solution is really cool. So you mentioned a couple of aspects of it. You mentioned liquidating it, putting it into a trust. And then from that trust, when you're ready to purchase something, creating an LLC. So are, are those the two big mechanisms that are involved in, in this transaction? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, by the way, great summary, and you hit it on the head there. You don't want to do like-kind investment real estate, right? And you also can dollar-cost average slowly over time. And so when you do sell, by the way, this is not a Delaware Statutory Trust. That's the other DST. That's the old Blockbuster DST. That's just another form of a 1031. I call it the Hollywood video, right? It's just like you can Blockbuster the 1031 or you can do Hollywood video. Both of them are, are old and, and typically don't work very well. Although we do, do yeah. sometimes use Delawares to replace what's called mortgage over basis which is kind of another topic. But to answer your question, yes. Yeah, so you form this brand new trust. It's a, it's a single entity business trust. It only does business with you, Jeffrey, whoever the client is. And the funds go there. Funds are never moved without your signature or they're never invested without your approval. So you have 24-7 access to view the funds. They're typically held at TD Ameritrade, Charles Schwab on the investment side of things. And then if you want to go active, let's say you want to say, I want to go build this construction deal. In fact, I got a client who sold a, pro a business and for $2.6 He's in the marketing business and he had two partners and they wanted to continue and he wanted to make a new venture, which was building multifamily properties. So he sold his interest for $2.6 deferred about $600,000 of tax with the Deferred Sales Trust, and now he's building 70 units in Tennessee, ground up development, all tax deferred with the funds. Okay. So, you know, that is what you can do. So he formed an LLC, right? And then he created what's called a, a joint venture partnership with the trust. And now he's the managing member of the LLC and he's the majority owner as well. So he's running that deal the same way he would have. He just happened to have this silent partner, which is the trust, put up all of the down payment, all of the construction costs, you know, and boom, he's starting to build it. So that's how that one works. So does that make sense? It does make sense. And the thought that comes to mind is if I keep deferring tax, deferring tax, deferring tax, at what point can I even use the money? But I believe the way to think of it is you can use the cash flow coming off the investments. 100%. Is it Mm -hmm. Are there other ways to kind of liquidate? And, yeah. Uh, so let's okay. talk about that. You know, about 30% of our clients, they're going to take immediate cash flow from the trust, right? Day one. We, let's see, I just closed the deal a last week for a client out of Colorado. Um, and she's actually going to wait, I think, about a year to take payments. Uh, I did another one in California and she's going to take payments right away. So there's no wrong answer here. You're just, pay, you'll pay tax on what you receive. So what's happening, and this is why it's legal, right? It's, it's an installment sale, by the way, if you're wondering. It's IRC 453. It's seller carry back. So if Jeffrey wanted to sell a building for 10 million bucks, you know, he had no basis and no debt, he could sell it on an installment to me. He could literally carry back 100% financing and then slowly take payments over time and pay interest on those payments. And then when he takes the full payment, he pay capital gains tax. So this is what we're doing here. We're just doing it with a trust and we're asking this new buyer to show up and put, bring the full 10 million, and this trust will jump in right in between the transaction. 
And now that's an installment there. And then Jeffrey carries paper. And essentially there's 10 million in the trust. And now as Jeffrey receives those payments, if it's interest, it's ordinary income, which you'll get a 1099, very simple. If you dip into principal, you'll pay some capital gains tax on that, on that given amount. So you can always take payments. The question is when? Now the other 70% of our clients, they actually just delay payments for about three or four years because their income is so high. And this is actually kind of cool if you think about it. Like an IRA, it's kind of like a 401k the deferred sales trust and that you parking it over here, you're not having to pay income tax because you haven't received any of the interest payments. Now the interest is compounding in the trust. It still owes it to you. It's building up just like an IRA or 401k. But until you start receiving payments, do you pay tax? If that makes sense, Jeffrey? Yep. Totally makes sense. And this is an amazing concept. I mean, it's definitely nuanced and there are a lot of details. So, you know, if listeners want to learn more, have transactions uh, and have assistance with those transactions, definitely contact Brett. You know, we'll, we'll touch on that later in the episode and, and I'll definitely drop, you know, your information in the show links. I am curious about a, a couple of other aspects of your experience though. So capital gains tax solutions, amazing. Let's shift to the real estate industry as a whole. So you've mentioned living in, you know, central Northern California, Silicon Valley area, uh, having exposure to that, you know, Sacramento. Tesla reinvented the car buying experience, right? No longer do you need to go to a car lot, sit there for three or four hours while they approve your loan, force you into something or, or coerce you into, oh, we didn't have that one that you wanted, but we have this one, it's fully loaded and it's only 5K more, right? None of that. You literally design your car online based on the limited options that they give you, but it's all been very streamlined for you. And then they deliver it to your door. <laughs> it's so simple. So that's the car buying experience, major purchase. Do you think the real estate transaction will be mostly automated in the near future? What are your thoughts on the future of the industry? Yeah, great question. And so residential has typically been the innovators and the more tech-driven folks. My world has been commercial, although yep. we are both a part of you know EXP, right? And they're yep. on the forefront of innovation and technology and information sharing and wealth building within that industry. So I think the answer is absolutely. It's already happened or happening with residential. Um, and the the best of the best will who are um, tech savvy and are open-minded and are willing to adapt and pivot will be the ones that get the lion's share of the business. It's always going to be, I believe, room and a place for the real estate professional. And I say professional, meaning full-time, dedicated, love, passion for adding value to clients and solving problems. The way I put it is we're not in the business of selling real estate. I'm not even in the business of selling the deferred sales trust. We're in the business, Jeffrey, of solving people's problems, right? And when we can do that, that's the moment we start adding value, right? We bring something like we know about their property more than they do or the comp down the street or the rental uh, trends or ways to add, add value, increase and negotiate. That's the moment we add, start adding value to the transaction. So that is the forefront focus. Now on commercial side, it's been the old school way and it's really, really geared up for transition here. Um, especially with what EXP Commercial is doing now. And so coming from Marcus and Millichap, I had a brief stunt at Keller Williams when I first started. I realized that I wasn't really as excited about residential real estate, so I went commercial and then have done that since. So the answer is yes. And now, and really before COVID or five years ago was the time to start. So you should get going right away if you haven't already. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and I believe as well that there will always be room for the high service professionals, the ones who are taking care of their clients and they're getting tons of referrals 
and they're running the business right, focusing on the needs of their clients. So, you know, there are a lot of fears around being replaced by AI and being replaced by, you know, big companies and tech moguls and things like that. But at the end of the day, the way to not be a commodity is to be true to yourself and really take care of other people. And something that I found interesting on your site, you have 10 interesting facts about Brett. And uh, in, underneath it, it says, according to his wife, Melanie. <laughs> and uh, I think this is a great way to install personality into your brand and help create just a layer of trust. So is there a reason why you, you put that on your site? Well, uh, first of all, I saw on on Joe Fairless's site, and if you don't know Joe Fairless, he's Ashcroft Capital, and he's one of our strategic alliances for Deferred Sales Trust clients. And um, I just resonated with me, right? It just it, it brought a, a human side, a you know, a vulnerable side, and I think that's you know, until people, and this is by Russell Brunson, until people can really feel like they've been where you've been, or even Tony Robbins, they don't believe, or they're not going to really resonate to be where you are, and so. I think more than ever, it's important to, I always share those stories about Cheesecake Factory and, and working nights and weekends also with basketball tournaments and moving with my brother and, and people telling me to get a real job and, and feeling scared and vulnerable. Like, because people see this side of things as success, but I say, look, you can do it, right? Like, don't think it just showed up. It wasn't overnight. Like, it was blood, sweat, right. and tears. It was brutal. It was brutal. People still think I'm crazy with the deferred sales trust. They're like, that thing's never going to work. And I'm like, what do you mean? I just closed six deals this month, right? Like we, yeah. we did a hundred million dollars. You know, there's still this false belief. So what I like to say is share on the vulnerable side, help people to know where you've been, be open to those things. And also personal like facts, you know, that people can connect with you so that what you can make a bigger impact. And I like to say, just get out of the way of yourself. The same thing I do with video too, right? In the very beginning of video a couple of years ago, I don't want to be on video. Like, I don't think I want to be on the, on the interweb all the time with YouTube stuff. Like, no, but I, I forced myself to go through it. Cause I said, like, get over yourself, right? It's not about you. It's not making an impact. Right. And I just kept doing the videos. Now I deleted the old ones that were really bad because they were terrible in the beginning. But then I started to get a little bit better, a little bit better. And I learned who my audience was and what they liked and it started to serve their needs. And so I think that's the point. By sharing some of those things that are maybe perhaps more private, more personal, uh, you got a chance to make a bigger impact. And that's what it's about. Man, nailed it. You are a man with a purpose. And I love that. In the last five years, what new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your life? In the last five years, I would say the biggest one was two. I'll do. A, I'll give you a business one, and then I'll give you a, a spiritual one. Okay. So right. for the business one, it's uh, you know, hi, my name is Brett Swartz. I'm a controlaholic, right? So hi, I'm Brett Swartz, and I want to hire the who instead of being the how, right? And so realizing that as entrepreneurs or as real estate professionals, we're very typically very very driven people who want to do an amazing job and believe that we can do it better than anybody else, right? Mm. I'm very competitive, right? And I'm like, I can do, I can figure this thing out. I can do better than anybody else. However, the challenge with that is it can pull away your time, your energy, and your stress, right? We have five kids and I have two podcasts, two businesses, and all this stuff. And what I found is I have to manage not only my time, but my energy. And I have to get out of my way of myself to be like, you know what? Go hire the who, don't be the how. Right. And what does that mean? That means getting coaching. That means getting mentors. That means hiring teams. Right. I have, you know, five on my team now. We're hoping to probably be 10 by the end of the year. And, and I had to give up that control. And practically, what does that mean? That means giving information and giving permission for others to make decisions. 
okay? And so Ooh, when you can key. do that, you can instill confidence in people and help them develop, even if they're gonna make mistakes, right? Even if they can do it as well as you are, that's okay. Why? Because eventually they will own that area and what is that, you know, video editing, you know, online social media, um, underwriting properties, marketing packages, right? My highest and best use is to be in front of clients, right? Connecting with them one-on-one, -on -one, creating content, doing podcasts like this. And that's the thing I also love to do. So I would say that's the biggest thing. Hire the who, don't be the how. Now on the spiritual side, it's really, for me, what I've found is accepting and not only accepting, but embracing. And for me, it's my Christian faith, the truth of God's word, not my feelings or what the world thinks, right? And I think there's a verse in the Bible. It's like, let, let God be true and every man a liar, right? It's like there's so many things that are vying for our attention and our hearts and our and and wanting to to take and and even then I struggle with with things then I don't I don't, I don't want it to take me there right I know it's not best for me so it's it's literally like saying like not only do I believe but it's like I'm all in on accepting even when I don't feel like it or even when my logic sometimes doesn't necessarily add up per se on on the things of God's word so that's I just accepting and when I did that and I've done that and again it's not it's a constant thing. It's helped me to, I feel like, be more centered, more grounded, more present for my family, and again, be able to maximize the gifts I've been given. Both amazing points. I want to unwrap each of them individually. The business one, you mentioned putting faith in your frontline team members and having the ability for them to make mistakes. I love that concept, and I'm a big believer in it. Ritz-Carlton, in fact, gives their frontline employees up to $500 to fix any customer issue in the moment. If it costs less than $500, fix it. And they give their branch manager staff up to $5,000, just fix it, right? Because they value the lifetime value of that customer much more than the individual action or being a control freak and needing to have the yes or no on everything. Because what happens is then you become the bottleneck. So love that. That's a huge breakthrough that I had as well. And so glad that we're talking about it right now. Now on the spiritual side, you nailed it. And I'm very spiritual as well. And a lot of, I feel like a lot of people that aren't as spiritual have become that way due to the uh, failure of man. And it's easy to kind of lose sight of the beauty of the forest for the ugliness of a few trees, I guess as the saying goes. So really, really amazing there. Focus on the principles right? And uh, focus on the progress towards those principles as we can live them in our human experience, not necessarily every single person who is following that path being perfect. So both amazing beliefs, behaviors, really, really appreciate you bringing those up. Thanks, Jeffrey. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, in closing here, is there a question I should have asked you or, or anything that you'd like to elaborate on from earlier? You know, I guess uh, just as you know, speaking to the real estate professional, right? realize that things, you know, we already know this, things are changing, right? And if you're not providing, I'd like to say transformational experiences and, and outcomes for your clients versus just transactional, don't be surprised when you're, you know, you're not, you know, perhaps hitting the goals that you want to be hitting, right? And so now more than ever, I believe the deferred sales trust, especially for luxury realtors, commercial real estate brokers is the number one, you know, growth or marketing or 
tax strategy you should be focusing on, okay? Because we do believe it's a Netflix. We've been doing it for 25 years collectively, thousands of closes, billions in management. And Biden is considering, you know, he's proposing to take away the 1031 for those making a million or more. He's also talking about Ooh. eliminating or getting rid of the stepped up basis. The deferred sales trust, we solve both of those things. We can move funds outside the taxable estate, and then you can also uh, keep the taxes deferred and your kids can step into your shoes. So again, focus on what the vision and the outcome for your clients are, and then get the coaching, get the training. We have experttaxsecrets.com. You can get training on this. At some point, you didn't know about a 1031 exchange, and then somebody told you, and then it changed the lives of your clients. Well, same thing here with the Deferred Sales Trust. We want that to be a part of you know, helping you build a transformational experience for your clients. Deferred Sales Trust. I love that. So how can listeners contact you if they're interested in learning more? Yep, two places. So uh, general information, capitalgainstaxsolutions.com. YouTube, we've got a bunch of free content there. Um, so Capital Gains Tax Solutions, you can search that on YouTube, also on iTunes for our podcast. And then for the coaching, and if you like for the business professional, you know, luxury realtor, financial advisor, commercial broker, syndicator, you can go to experttaxsecrets.com. That's experttaxsecrets.com. Excellent. Brett Swartz, everyone, man of faith, an athlete, commercial real estate wizard, and someone who has something so interesting that can benefit everyone in real estate, the Deferred Sales Trust. It's amazing. I love this and it was an incredible episode. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. If you want to accomplish your real estate goals, then I highly suggest downloading my free Ultimate Real Estate Goal Setting Framework. The link is in the description of the show and it will help you break down your annual income goal into the amount of phone calls, appointments, or open houses you need in order to achieve that goal. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.